And now, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's The Sean Sandifer Show. He's a lawyer for the modern age, a rising voice for the up-and-coming generation. He keeps it real and tells it like it is. Here's Sean. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sean Sandifer Show. I'm Sean Sandifer, your host. Just so you know, I'm currently traveling outside of my usual studio, so I have to talk in a little bit of a different inflection point and tone. Uh, You know, we're a low-budget operation, so I hope you understand. Not my typical studio, as I said, traveling out of town. So bear with me. I'll do my best that I can. But I want to make sure I got a news roundup out to you, a weekly news roundup for the week of Monday, March 20th, 2023, as March continues to fly by. So I'm going to get right into it with the biggest news of the week. And that is, of course, as you might have heard, the looming indictment slash potential arrest of President Donald Trump. Several news outlets are reporting that the Manhattan DA's office, that's the Manhattan District Attorney, that's for the city of New York and the state of New York, um, the, the DA's office has requested a meeting with law enforcement in Trump's circle to work out the logistics behind a potential arrest and how that might work. If that were to occur, that would be the first arrest and criminal indictment of a former U.S. president in American history. So that's a big deal. But it's also a big deal in a really bad way. It's it's our departments of justice, our attorney general offices, our prosecutor's offices who are abusing their power for the political persecution of the party that's not in power, especially in the state of New York, of course, the Republican Party, and their political rivals, in this case, namely Donald J. Trump. It is a uh, an outrageous abuse of power by the DA's office. It's, it's unprecedented in American history, and for good reason, because we are not a third world banana republic who uses our legal system and justice system to abuse and punish and persecute our political rivals. That's not something that we do, and that's why we haven't seen it. That doesn't mean that every... that that anyone is above the law, okay? I'm not saying that anyone, including a former president, is above the law, but it's important that the laws are applied equally and evenly, and that's the problem here, is that the laws are being applied to some for political purposes of political persecution and others who are not a threat to these people who are in power, okay? The people who are at, who are, who are investigating this, in this case, has been the city of New York, the state of New York, and it's really, um, it's a really, it's a really dangerous precedent that could be set if this does come to fruition. So I'm going to read you. I'm going to get into everything of how it how it's gone down and what's being investigated. But I want to read you President Trump's statements. Okay, here's here's Trump's statements. Now, illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan district attorney's office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leader is funded by George Soros, indicate that with no crime being able to be proven and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors fairy tale, the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Protest. Take our nation back. 
Okay, now the report that President Trump will be arrested on Tuesday of this coming week, that is unconfirmed. President Trump's attorneys have said they have not received official notice of that, that President Trump is basing that on leaked press reports. Okay, so we don't know if that will be true. Again, this is the the weekly news update for Monday, March 20th. So there will be a lot of developments this week. If necessary, I'll come on and do another podcast episode. Um, or when we get to the news roundup next week, I'll let you know what has actually gone down. But this is what Trump stated when the news broke that he would likely be arrested. So here's here's the the story of what's been what's been going on as you probably know president trump has been investigated over and over and over again by all kinds of people and agencies and organizations ever since president trump came down the escalator in 2015 announced his bid for the white house and eventually won the white house became president he and his family and his business and his supporters and his campaign have been the subject of relentless investigations 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 all trying to quote get Trump. And we saw that fail time and time again with the Russia hoax, the Russia collusion, where they spent millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars to show Russian collusion with President Trump in the 2016 presidential campaign. And that never happened. There was no collusion. Then you saw the impeachment hoax over uh, President Trump's phone call with Ukraine, uh, looking into investigating uh, Joe Biden's ties there. It's it was so nonsensical in my view that um, I barely even remember the details of it. But we just saw all these investigations constantly trying to get Trump on every single thing that he did. Um, you've got this the the Capitol riots, you know, which Democrats are likening to 9/11 um, when it's not even that's not even close. That's a ridiculous comparison. Um, where you have the leader of the the riots who is now serving prison time and is on Capitol surveillance videos being escorted through the U.S. Capitol. Okay, not saying what the rioters did was right, but the ways that they've been persecuted, thrown in jail, while other rioters from uh, from causes that are endorsed by Democrats um, go unprosecuted. Again, we're not applying the laws evenly. It's only when it suits the narrative of the corporate media and the Democratic Party, and that's the issue. So here's what's been going on all this time. And again, I'm talking in a low voice because I'm not in my typical recording studio, So, uh, and, and I'm recording later at night, so I, w- I want to make sure I get this news out fresh for, for Monday morning. The state of New York and the city of, of New York City have been investigating Donald Trump and the Trump Organization for a long time. This began with an investigation into what is called fringe benefits. Okay, I'm going to explain the legal definition of fringe benefits. This term applies to the extra benefits an employee receives that is in addition to their wages. These include health insurance, life insurance, tuition assistance, child care reimbursements, cafeteria subsidies, below market loans, discounts, stock options, and could include personal use of a company owned vehicle. Those are the, some of the common fringe benefits. So for example, your employer says, hey, I'm not going to pay you a, let's say you make a $500,000 salary and your employer says, hey, by the way, I'll pay you $500,000 and I'm also going to pay your child's private school tuition cost of $50,000 a year. That's a $50,000 um, fringe benefit. 
So uh, under most cases, exemptions apply, exceptions apply. That would be deemed by the IRS to be taxable income. That $50,000 that's paid by your employer for your child's uh, private schooling. So your income in that, in that example would be $500,000 plus the $50,000 that would be uh, paid by your employer for the, your child's private schooling. Uncommon fringe benefits may uh, fit the company's specific profile. So for example, PetSmart and Dogtopia both operate pet-friendly workspaces. Ben & Jerry's rewards its workers with free ice cream. Patagonia's headquarters features extensive volleyball courts and yoga classes that fit their active lifestyle and active brand. So it, it fits into um, their brand identity and those fringe benefits are given on to these companies' employee employees. Like I said, exemptions apply, but often these fringe benefits are taxable according to IRS rules. Okay, again, extra benefits that an employee receives that is in addition to their wages. Okay, now many corporations and businesses provide these fringe benefits to their employees. That's a common thing that occurs. How that affects the Trump organization is that the state of New York began investigating the Trump organization and these fringe benefits that it gave to its employees and higher level executives and began investigating if the Trump organization was accurately reporting these as taxable income for its employer uh, employees and for its executives. So after the investigation, prosecutors filed 10 charges against the organization that that's actually against the organization that will bring uh, that would bring corporate penalties to it um, could, for example if the conviction upon the corporation later being convicted that could make it more difficult for the corporation to obtain bank loans because many banks don't operate uh, don't don't loan to convicted felons including at the corporate level in addition, prosecutors alleged that it had it had the Trump Organization had conducted a 15-year quote scheme to defraud the government, and it also instituted 15 felony counts against its longtime chief financial advisor, or chief financial officer, I should say, Alan Weisselberg. In August 2022, Weisselberg pleaded guilty and agreed to testify against the Trump Organization in exchange for a reduced sentence. A trial was held from October to December, and the defense asserted that the organization was unaware of any impropriety, impropriety and that Trump family members did not intend to participate in wrongdoing despite signing relevant checks. So Weisselberg was the CFO, close ties to Donald Trump and the Trump Organization, and he was brought to trial by the state of New York over these fringe benefit schemes that the state of New York alleged the Trump Organization instituted in order to avoid um, tax consequences for its employees and its executives. And of course, the Trump Organization itself and writing off these expenses and deducting it from their taxable income. State of New York claimed, hey, you received these benefits might have been, you know, for example, one executive might have been paid $500,000 and received a $75,000 a year uh, condo. Okay, so they're, they were only paid $500,000 and were only taxed on $500,000, but their benefits were $575,000 plus. And State of New York said, you didn't pay taxes on those and you were supposed to. So that is true. That is the law. The issue is, why was the Trump Organization targeted? Well, that's obvious to any, any reasonable person, any per person with two brain cells rubbed together, knows why the Trump Organization was targeted, okay? 
This is something that is, is commonplace across many organizations. Uh, I'm an attorney. I'm obviously not advocating for any violations of the law. But what I am, am advocating for is that the law be, be applied evenly and that we don't just investigate and look under every rock because we don't like our political, uh, our political rivals. Because the criminal code is so extensive. The tax code is so extensive. First of all, many people don't understand it. And many people unknowingly are breaking the law every single day and organizations. Again, ignorance does not excuse the crime in many cases. But the issue is that some people are being investigated and prosecuted and others aren't. And when the motivation is to persecute our political rivals, that is something that I as an attorney and as a citizen take issue with. Okay, so to finish up on the corporate tax fraud case with, with, with Weisselberg, Weisselberg was then sentenced to five months. Uh, and on January 10th, 2023, he was sentenced to five months in prison. He's got a projected release date of April 19th. You might be wondering, well, that's not five months, that's only a few months. And that's because the sentencing rules allow for um, time served, good behavior, other credits. And so usually defendants, uh, convicted convicted defendants, end up not serving their full prison time that they are sentenced to. So his release date is April 19th. That's coming up pretty soon, uh, about a month. So leftist prosecutors in New York are abusing their power as a means of political persecution. Okay, they've investigated, they've been investigating the Trump organization for these alleged, you know, financial and tax crimes. And now we turn to the matter of Stormy Daniels, okay? Stormy Daniels is a porn star who alleges that in 2006, she met Trump, Donald Trump, at a celebrity golf event, that he invited her to his hotel room, they had several business conversations, and that he uh, and her had sex. He denies that, says it never happened. Um, she says that, yes, they did. Been a while since you heard from the law firm handling your case? Typical. Sean Sandifer knows the feeling firsthand. It's time for a lawyer of the modern age. Call Sean, a responsive attorney who will listen, ask questions, prepare a simple plan, and proceed with action. And most importantly, stay in contact with you. That's Sean, S-E-A-N, Sandifer, S-A-N-D-I-F-E-R law.com. Book your complimentary call today and let's talk from the comfort of your home. All right, so then fast forward to 2016, and Donald Trump's running for president. It's October, and Stormy Daniels' agent begins shopping around the story of this alleged affair between Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump that stems back to 2006, and starts shopping the story around to various tabloids and outlets, which I think in and of itself is is pretty shady and seedy. You're gonna you're gonna go allegedly hook up with somebody, and then ten years later, when they're running for president, you're going to go try to sell the story to tabloids to, uh, I guess, uh, try to harm the reputation of the person and um, and and make money off of it. When this was what they're both saying was a consensual arrangement. I'm not saying it, if, if it did happen that it was moral given that Trump was married at the time. I'm not arguing that, but I think that it's uh, shady to 10 years later go uh, go try to sell the story. And when the the editor of the National Enquirer heard of this, who was a Trump ally, 
he contacted Michael Cohen, who was Trump's longtime personal attorney, and said, hey, Stormy Daniels, this person Stormy Daniels is trying to shop this story around, and do you want to broker a deal where you pay hush money, what's called hush money, to basically buy the story from Stormy Daniels and not have it be published? Now, this is October 2016. This is less than a month till the election. Okay, so of course, Trump's personal attorney goes, okay, well, this is this is bullshit. This is extortion. At least that's what that's what Trump says was being said privately. Um, but let's just give her some money so that this doesn't get published and 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 cause any more difficulty to the Trump campaign, which, as you might remember at the time, had just had the Access Hollywood uh, tape leaked. And if you've not heard that, you can look it up. But it was very controversial at the time. Trump um, uh, Trump's comments that he made on that tape. So they worked out a deal to pay Stormy Daniels, I believe it was $130,000, $130,000 to silence the story. Now, this wasn't released and this didn't break the news until a couple years later in 2018. And the Manhattan District Attorney has, in the District Attorney's office, has since been investigating these hush money payments. Now, hush money payments are not necessarily inherently illegal. But the issue is, according to the district attorney's office, that President Trump and his campaign falsified business records, which is potentially a violation of New York state law in order to cover up the hush money payment, that they, that they, that they falsified business records to make it look like a, a valid legal expense. And further, they're alleging, covered up the legal expense you know the the payments um, as a as a a legal campaign contribution. Okay, so it's like this complicated double double thing where number one you falsified business records about the payment. You were honest about what the payment was. Well, of course they weren't because they were again they were they were they were uh, this was a private legal expense for Trump who was paying this Stormy Daniels to cover up the story and. So the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin L. Bragg has signaled he is preparing to seek felony charges against Mr. Trump. Mr. Bragg is expected to accuse him of concealing this $130,000 hush money payment that Michael Cohen, Trump's now um, estranged former lawyer and fixer, made to Ms. Daniels on the eve of the 2016 presidential election. A conviction in this case would likely hinge on prosecutors proving that Mr. Trump reimbursed Mr. Cohen falsified business records relating to that payment to Mr. Cohen um, when he did so, and that it was possibly done to hide a violation of election law. Um, that's going to be a stretch in my humble legal opinion. I'm not licensed in the state of New York. I'm licensed in Illinois and Missouri, but that is a legal stretch um, where even the, the Federal Election Commission and the Justice Department declined to pursue this. Okay, this is again, the state of New York and the city of New York, who who is who are entirely controlled by Democrats. Okay, for a years, many years now, six years since six or seven years since the payments were made, um, seventeen years since the the alleged acts occurred, and now the, the now that Trump is running for president in uh, twenty twenty four, now they're coming out saying, oh, we're gonna chart, we're gonna arrest Donald Trump for illegally structuring these payments to Stormy Daniels, which in my opinion, shouldn't have been made in the first place because that sounds a lot like extortion to me. 
if you uh, you know you threaten to release private facts about somebody to harm their reputation and demand payment for it. That sounds pretty pretty shady if you ask me, even outside of my legal opinion. And I think many legal scholars agree with me on that. Now this, if it, occur, if it occurs, would be the first criminal indictment of a former American president, with the caveat being that it's a political persecution, again, in my view. Um, we live in, in times that are con- continually more divisive, um, and that's why we're seeing unprecedented things occur in American history. What's, what's legally significant about what the Manhattan DA is doing is that this would elevate the charges, this, this double-edged crime that they're alleging, I say crime in quotes, um, it, it, would, it would elevate it from a misdemeanor to a felony. Okay, so a felony is a more serious crime than a misdemeanor. And this is the same New York Manhattan DA who lets violent criminals walk the streets, who does nothing about violent crime, who doesn't, uh, does very little about drugs or, or gang violence, who, in fact, lets violent criminals walk free by reducing crimes from felonies to misdemeanors. So now he's taking what he says President Trump did, and he's elevating it from a misdemeanor to a felony. So I think you can see the hypocrisy in that. And from the New York Times, in the federal case against Mr. Cohen, prosecutors said that Mr. Trump's company, quote, falsely accounted for the monthly payments as legal expenses. Okay, so Cohen paid, Trump's lawyer paid Stormy Daniels. Touched the story, $130,000. Okay, Trump then made monthly payments to Cohen to reimburse him for that is what they're alleging. And that they structured them as, quote, legal expenses on paper. And the state of New York is alleging that that is falsifying business records. Okay, okay. So prosecutors are saying that Mr. Trump's company falsely accounted for the monthly payments as legal expenses and that company records cited a retainer agreement with Mr. Cohen, although Mr. Cohen was a lawyer and became Mr. Trump's personal attorney after he took office, there was no such retainer agreement and the reimbursement was unrelated to any legal services Mr. Cohen performed. They're saying that reimbursement was for the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels and that's a false business record. That's what the prosecutors are saying. In New York, falsifying business records can amount to a crime, albeit a misdemeanor crime. To elevate the crime to a felony charge, Mr. Bragg, the Manhattan DA, his prosecutors must show that Mr. Trump's, quote, intent to defraud included an intent to commit or conceal a second crime. Now, the second crime in this case would potentially be a violation of New York state election law, which, which states that while hush money is not inherently illegal, the prosecutors could argue that the $130,000 payout effectively became an improper donation so that Mr. Cohen donated $130,000 to Mr. to Mr. Trump to pay Stormy Daniels to help the campaign. I just, I, this is just a stretch as I'm even trying to say it out loud. Um, under the theory that because the money silenced Miss Daniels, it benefited the Trump candidacy. Okay, well, here's an argument that pops into my head. Um, it, what if it was to save uh, President Trump's marriage to Melania? That has nothing to do with. That has nothing to do with the campaign. Okay, so you've got to. So the motivation is to conceal. The motivation is to help the campaign, and then that's somehow a violation of election law because it was a gift that was not reported. And they falsified business records to conceal that gift. It's just that to me is a complicated interweb of assumptions 
And um, that's why I think the federal prosecutors never, never went after it. And the fact that the New York state prosecutors are shows, in my view, extreme political bias and outrageous abuse of power. So the case, uh, this again, last thing from the New York Times here, the case against the former president hinges on an untested and therefore risky legal theory involving a complex interplay of laws, all amounting to a low-level felony. If Mr. Trump were ultimately convicted, he would face a maximum sentence of four years in prison, though prison time would not be mandatory. Okay, so this brings up all kinds of other questions, like, well, will, Mr. Well, will President Trump be arrested? Will he be handcuffed? Will there be a mugshot? Um, if he were ever to be convicted, when would he serve his sins? What if he were elected president? Would the Supreme Court have to intervene? These are all questions that have not been explored yet. They will be explored in due time. Right now, the news is breaking that President Trump might be arrested for this hush money scheme, which, ale which alleges that the Trump campaign falsified business documents or that President Trump falsified business documents to cover up the payments and did so in order to conceal this what they're deeming is a is an improper uh, election gift um, to the Trump campaign. Trump says, I did absolutely nothing wrong. I never had an affair with Stormy Daniels, nor would I have wanted to have an affair with Stormy Daniels. Trump wrote on his Truth Social social media platform, I relied on counsel in order to resolve this extortion of me. So I also don't think that um, Trump will be handcuffed. Uh, I think the Secret Service will be handling that. Um, we'll be working with law enforcement if this indictment and arrest does happen. The Secret Service will be handling that. And for security concerns, I don't think we'll allow the former president, uh, President Trump, to be to be handcuffed. Um, but these, in, in my view, these charges um, and this uh, amount to, to an abuse of power and political persecution and the Manhattan DA's office should drop them immediately. Okay, now moving on from this potential looming Trump indictment arrest. Again, I'll update you as developments occur, and I'll have an update on next week's news update, let you know what's going on. But I also want to cover a couple more big news stories, and that is, of course, the, the, the war in Russia and Ukraine. Why you should care about that is because the leader of China, Xi Jinping, is meeting with President Putin of Russia this week. Russia, China, and the United States are arguably some of the world's biggest superpowers, especially China. It's, it's, it's arguably the United States' biggest global adversary in terms of economic and military power. And the leader of China is meeting with President Putin of Russia in what China says is to negotiate peace and, and try to broker a peace agreement with Putin to help resolve the conflict in Ukraine, which is uh, the Russian the Russian aggression that has gone on in Ukraine for now over a year as President Putin wants to, uh, in what he says, bring Russian territory that he feels is in Ukraine and belongs to Russia from Ukraine back to Russia where it rightfully belongs. And he has waged this horrible war in Ukraine now for over a year and refuses Russia refuses to acknowledge the independent sovereignty of the country of Ukraine, um, which has gone against, uh, Russia has gone against um, by their actions, nearly all Western countries, including and especially the United States and our Western European allies. And so um, the, 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 the military and civilian toll for both Russia and Ukraine has been immense and the property damage and uh, the sites of the fighting within the country of Ukraine um, the the global the, the humanitarian toll of that 
is is unspeakable in so many ways. But China is meeting with Russia this week, and this this has a this has a significant uh, geopolitical importance to the United States because U.S. officials say that China is still considering giving weapons, mainly artillery, to Russia to use in Ukraine. And even if the Chinese leader calls for a ceasefire in Ukraine from Russia, that would not be acceptable because in, in according to the United States, the United States' view is that Russia is illegally occupying parts of eastern Ukraine. And a ceasefire would, would essentially cease those territories to Russia, okay? And that's not what the United States and our allies want. We want Ukraine to be returned to where it was before Russia's illegal invasion. And China's potential remedy of a ceasefire would leave Russia in control of more territory than when the invasion began. A ceasefire would be, quote, effectively the ratification of Russian conquest, John Kirby, a White House spokesman, said on Friday. It would, in effect, recognize Russia's gains and its attempt to conquer its neighbor's territory by force, allowing Russian troops to continue to occupy sovereign Ukrainian territory. End quote. So going back to what I was saying about China meeting with Russia, while some Chinese officials see Mr. Putin's war as destabilizing, they recognize that their greater priority in foreign policy is the need to enforce and help Russia so that the two nations, Russia and China, can present a united front against their biggest perceived adversary, which is the United States. So China feels that it is stronger with Russia as its ally. So it's coming to Russia's defense, China and Russia. And I think China's self-interested here. They want Russia on their side to help the long game, in China's view, to overtake the United States as the economic and global military superpower. That is what China wants to see happen. And their long game, their long strategy is to get Russia and Vladimir Putin under its wing. Couple other things on that. The International Criminal Court issued an arrest warrant for Putin on war crimes charges. The court cited Mr. Putin's responsibility for the abduction and deportation of Ukrainian children, thousands of whom have been sent to Russia since the invasion. Now, there's little chance, practical chance, that uh, Vladimir Putin will stand trial in a courtroom for the International Criminal Court anytime soon, as the International Criminal Court, the ICC, cannot try defendants who are absent. Um, and also Russia, which is not a party to the court, has dismissed the warrants as meaningless and void. They do not lend them any credibility. Now, as a practical matter, the warrant could restrict Mr. Putin's travels um, because he could technically face arrest in any of the 123 countries that are a member of the International Criminal Court because it's up to those member countries to oversee the arrest of, uh, of, of arrest warrants that have been issued by the International Criminal Court. And this list of countries includes basically all European countries, several in Africa and Latin America, but notably not China and not the United States. The United States is not a member of the International Criminal Court because the United States has historically been concerned that the ICC will potentially try to prosecute American citizens or American diplomats or American leadership and politicians. However, President Biden said on Friday that he thought the arrest warrant was, quote, justified and while he noted that the ICC is not recognized by the United States, he said the warrant, quote, makes a very strong point. So there's no clear end in sight to the, to the Russian war in Ukraine. Um, Ukraine ha has seen some, some gains this year. 
Russia, if you look at a map, basically occupies a significant portion of eastern Ukraine along the border between Russia and Ukraine, but has not advanced much into the center and more western portions of the country. Ukraine wants Russia fully out to its internationally recognized borders, whereas Russia wants to continue to submit control within Ukrainian territory or territory that's recognized by the international community as Ukrainian territory. So one, one last thing that's notable about the, the war going on in Ukraine is that Vladimir Putin, the Russian leader, made a surprise visit uh, just recently to the occupied Ukrainian port city of Mariupol, M-A-R-I-U-P-O-L. And this is a port city uh, near Crimea, which is the Crimean Peninsula, which is a strategic port for um, Ukraine and Russia. It's now occupied by Russia in the eastern part of Ukraine. And this port city um, is significant because Putin entered Ukraine to visit this city, which uh, Russia has savaged in this aggression towards Ukraine. And it has really destabilized a lot of Europe and the international community as the biggest act of aggression since World War II and has divided many Americans on what our involvement should be in the country um, and what many Americans view is not our war, not our country. But I feel it's of, it's of strong strategic importance because we can't allow Russia to commit war crimes and go into sovereign states like Ukraine and commit horrific humanitarian crimes. We cannot allow that to happen because of the geopolitical importance of China and Russia. We cannot allow our two biggest adversaries to continue to grow in strength. And that's really the issue here with the, with the, the Russian aggression and why the United States should be involved and why you should care. It affects our, our global security. It affects our energy prices. Russia is a big exporter of oil. And um, it's something that we're definitely going to continue to follow. But those are the big updates. International Criminal Court has issued an arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin on war crimes. Putin has actually visited a port city in Ukraine this week. And also China, the leader Xi Jinping of China, is meeting with Vladimir Putin to uh, what China says is harbor peace talks with Russia. But the United States says that any ceasefire that Russia does would not be adequate because the United States and its Western allies want Russia to leave the territory that is, according to the United States' view, illegally occupying in eastern Ukraine. So that is what's going on there. Okay, last thing, uh, a little bit lighter note, March Madness update. We've had some really significant upsets. I've been following it. Uh, the number 16 seed Farley Dickinson FDU upset the number one seed Purdue on Friday night, St. Patrick's Day. And um, that was the game that busted all the remaining perfect men's NCAA brackets. And FDU's win was the second, only the second, 16 seed upset of a one seed in NCAA men's tournament history. That's only happened one other time. Um, just tonight, though, as of this recording, FDU, uh, who beat number one seed Purdue, FDU did not advance to the Sweet 16, narrowly losing to Florida Atlantic University. Uh, in the round of 32. Okay, some other notable games. Uh, 15 seed Princeton beat number two seed Arizona. That's notable because 15 seed beat a two seed. And also Arizona was President Joe Biden's pick to go all the way to win the national championship and got beat by 15 seed Princeton in the first round. 
So Joe, uh, Joe is wrong again. What else is new, right? Um, 13 seed Furman beat the four seed Virginia 68-67 in first round play. And then eight seed Arkansas, who also defeated my alma mater, the Fighting Illini, uh, eight seed Arkansas defeated uh, one seed Kansas. Okay, so um, Kansas and Purdue are the two one seeds that have been beat. And the uh, one seeds that remain are Alabama and Houston, and they have advanced to the Sweet 16. So we'll continue to follow that, and maybe we'll have an update for you on next week's news roundup. As always, if you have any comments or questions, uh, you can email me, hello, at theshawnsandifershow.com. That's H-E-L-L-O, at theshawnsandifershow.com. You can message me on Instagram, at Sandifer. And let me know your thoughts, your comments. Follow me on TikTok at Sean Sandifer. That is uh, what's going on with the big Trump indictment arrest, the war in Ukraine and China's meeting with Russia, and the NCAA men's college basketball tournament, better known as March Madness. Again, thank you for bearing with me and my low voice. Number one, my voice is a little bit sore, and also I'm not in my usual studio tonight, but thank you for bearing with me and for listening to this episode. As always, I'm Sean Sandifer, your host. This is The Sean Sandifer Show. Thank you for listening to The Sean Sandifer Show. This episode is over, but you can connect with Sean on Instagram and TikTok at Sean Sandifer or on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Sean Sandifer Show. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to share it on your social media pages or Instagram story. And we'd be grateful if you would help us grow the show by submitting a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Finally, we always love hearing your feedback, questions, and comments. Please feel free to message Sean on social media or send an email to hello, that's H-E-L-L-O, at theshawnsandifershow.com. Thanks for being a member of the Sean Sandifer Show community. The Sean Sandifer Show, available wherever you listen to podcasts.